We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which this podcast is recorded and pay our respects to Elders past, present and Aboriginal Elders emerging. The Vale Podcast, driven by pioneer Ford Robinvale. It's worth the drive. If you've been listening to this podcast over the last few weeks, you know that we've been discussing Osher Ginsberg's appearance in Robinvale to talk about his battle with mental illness and to hold a bit of a mental health forum. Well, today was Osher Day. A huge, huge thanks to Robinvale District Health Service, Foundation for Rural and Regional Renewal for funding the event, Carolyn Martinison at Network House and Sue Watson from RDHS for organising everything and to Sue for driving us from Mildura to Robinvale for another Conversations in Cars episode of The Vale. In, of course, the Ford Everest for the Pioneer Ford eight-day SUV sale. Thanks to Pioneer Ford for being a huge supporter of this podcast. A warning, and you're used to these by now, but we do obviously discuss mental illness, alcoholism, drug addiction, and if any of these things are triggering for you, please seek some help. Your GP or the resources at RDHS are a great place to start or contact SANE, Beyond Blue or Lifeline on 13 11 14. We pick up from that little stretch between Baronga and Golgol for conversations in cars with Osher Ginsberg. First of all, I want to apologise. For what? To you. Well, <clears throat> I was in Melbourne media in the early 2000s. Yes. Uh, working at Nova 100. Yes. And you had a bit of a reputation As? back then. A bit of a showbiz jerk, to be honest. Oh, I was. <laughs> However, I've since read your book. Ah. And hind- had, with the gift of hindsight. Yeah. I get it now, so I just want to apologise. <laughs> No, it's like fine. That. Did we meet the morning that I forgot the Dave Hughes? Yeah. Oh, that we met that morning. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Tell me about the morning because I don't remember much about that day. No, clearly, um, it was only we only met very briefly. Yeah, and it was more Husey cracking it afterwards, going, you know, he doesn't remember me. I gave him a bloody logie. No, I don't. Yeah, no. Like for people that don't know the story, I. Uh, the first Logie that Australian Idol won, this is a long time ago when TV was 4 by 3 and powered by steam and <laughs> a long time ago, um, that we won a Logie. That first Logies, I'd, just, I'd been on a, a holiday in Canada and I'd broken my hand and I was uh, on humongous amounts of painkillers, a, a North American painkiller called Percocet, which is basically oxycodone. And just all the crownies in the world apparently. And I don't remember a thing about that night. And... There's photos of it, but I don't remember being there. Anyway, cut to about six months later, and I, the night before, I'd won a big comedy check for being the Cleo Bachelor of the Year in 2004. Yeah, the, that's right. The next morning, I was like, um, oh, hi, Dave, here's how are you? Mate, we've met before. So, when did we meet before? I gave you a bloody logie. Like, you'd think I'd remember that, but I didn't. And I was, you know, reacted like an idiot, you know, because my ego then jumped in and went, oh, accuse him of being something. And mm. I was just an idiot. Mm. And yeah, it was, um, I don't really remember much about 2004. Um, no. So I'm sorry if, about that. No, I don't, I don't mind. Um, I don't remember much about 2004 either. Well, Media will do that to you, I think. I don't know. So will alcoholism. Yeah, well, there's that. I mean, you're on. You're talking about your painkillers, but surely mixing yeah. it with booze. Genius idea. Mm. Genius. Great. Not recommended. Yeah. No, because you know what? Yeah, no. It was, and then get on national television. I can't even believe I was still employed. I was still employed after that. Yeah, anyway. but you're still moving on from that. Congratulations on the Masked Singer. Yeah, it's bananas, right? It's gone. Next, gang, next, yeah, and next season as well. Even the mayor was talking about how she's quite partial to it. She's a seventy-year-old lady. There you, there you have it. I know. We appeal, we appeal for all demographics that we yeah. can find. Yeah, um, we got this is t- total boring TV number stuff, but we got one point five million on a Monday night. The other night, we haven't got one point five million on a Monday night since Idol. Now, the TV market is very different. There was no mm. broadband internet mm. back then. There was no mobile phones. There no was, Netflix. You know, I had to text people like going if I wanted to say. Hello, I had to go three 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 four 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 six 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 six. You know, it was that's like old and uh, old and texting, uh, right? Oh yeah, so, yeah, on the Nokia thirty two ten. That's right, it was amazing. Long time ago. Yeah, long time anyway, ago. So yeah, it's going great, and Bachelorette's really great. I'm very very lucky because when I the first season of The Bachelor 
those 10 weeks that we shot that first season was pretty much like the only 10 weeks of work that I got in that year. Really? In the yeah. first season of Bachelor? Yeah. And I was unemployed before that. So it's That's right, because you had... Yeah. And you'll get all this in the book. And I've been talking about your book, which is the purpose of you coming to Robinvale. I've been talking about your book on the podcast for the last few weeks. Oh, thank you. And to me, and I don't want to blow smoke up your ass too much, but to me, your book has been one of the most important books I've read on mental illness because it's non-judgmental between yourself and the illness itself Mm. and it's also not clinical and I think a lot of the books that we get Mm. uh, can be sometimes a bit clinical and you lose interest right but yours was one book that I and I found myself nodding a lot of the time going yeah I know what you mean I know what you mean Um, because you and I had also had the same voice artist for a uh, voice agency for a oh, while. right, yeah, back in the olden days. Back in the old the old yeah. RMK days. I, I only do one voiceover job now, which Not is... Not for a uh, suburban RSL? Uh, no, no, Bondo, Bondo Rescue. Yeah. That's the only one I do now. Which um, is also coming back next year. Happy days. Uh, but thank you so much for saying that. That's very sweet of you to say. Um, I, I wrote the book because when I was getting sober, um, I couldn't imagine what life with alcohol would be like. Um... And it was hearing other people's stories that had been where I'd been and had gotten better and now had a humongous life beyond anything that I could possibly have imagined, but all with alcohol. I needed to hear them tell their stories of how they did it. Similarly, when I got very sick, um, I needed to hear stories of how other people had been similarly ill and how they had gotten better. Mm. And that was really important. Mm. And so I wrote the book just as a way of doing giving to others what was given to me mm. giving you know the uh, a story that hopefully encompassed enough of what was going on before everything went horrible to that most people possible could relate and I think I did an okay job um, when I was I did a live show based on the book there was some songs in there because I'm a terrible actor <laughs> I had to put some songs in there to get through the sticky parts um but I did a live show and I went around, went around the country doing that. And, you know, after the show, like, I'll give you one example. But it happened after every show. Like, someone, I'm a 44-year-old at the time, a 44-year-old straight white guy from Brisbane, mm. right? Talk about privilege. Tell me about it, right? <laughs> and then a 17-year-old girl from Canberra mm. walked up to me after the show and said, thanks, you told my story. Mm. And this girl's a teenager. Yeah. But the way I was able to speak about what happened to me, I'm guessing, was describing the mental state that I was in was a way of describing, you know, enough of what enough people go to. And I think that just goes to show that um, that one of them, they say the main symptom of alcoholism is, they say the main symptom of alcoholism is convincing you that you don't have it. Yeah. Well, one of the main symptoms in my experience, one of the main symptoms of, of mental illness is convincing you, A, that it's permanent, and B, you're the only person this is happening to. Mm. Um, both those things aren't true. Mm. Um, so many people, you, you know, at first you're like, oh, so I'm not a special snowflake. This is, oh, okay. So this is just a thing that happens to other people as well when they go through a particular set of, you know, things beforehand or they're yeah. born a particular way. Mm. All right. But the good part about that is like, oh, well, there's a treatment and there's a way out. And, um, yeah, so I was just grateful to be able to give to others what was given to me. And I and I hope that it has the same effect. That's it. I think I think it is. Um, to a point, like if, if you can sit down and read, but the audio book that's narrated by you is also a really handy tool. Um, let's talk about going back to your childhood, though. Yes. And your, you remember having your first anxiety attack at three. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I was three years old. That was the first one I could remember. When I was writing the book, I was like, when did this start? I remember having a really horrible one at, at daycare. And it wasn't just a kid throwing a tantrum. It was the world was absolutely ending. The mm. sky was falling and nothing but nothing could make it better. Absolutely nothing could make it better. And they had to call my mum out from work to come and get me because I was that bad. Mm. I was three years old. Yeah, um, how do you remember that? I suppose it was so significant. It burned into my brain. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, kids remember stuff, man. 
Yeah. Kids remember stuff. I remember stuff. I, I, I don't know. It might be different. I don't know. My first memory was six weeks old. What? Yeah, I remember being. Yeah, I remember meeting my grandfather. That's not really? Oh, three months. Six I was going to say six weeks. Surely months. not. Six months. I can't remember. Six months old. Sorry. I have a. I tell you, I have a seven week old. Yeah. At home, that's why I'm not sleeping. And how is young Wolfie? Wolfgang is great. Yeah. He's chubby. Is he? Massive. Yeah. Uh, my wife Audrey is incredible. I I contributed twenty three chromosomes to the situation. <laughs> Audrey did everything else, and I am in awe and in just reverence to the power of divine creation that she has within her body. Mm. And uh, yeah, it, it's extraordinary. It's extraordinary. It was an extraordinary thing to witness, and I am just in awe of her. And he's great. You know, mm. he's hungry. Yeah, <laughs> babies will babies will do that. Yeah. They'll get hungry. Yeah. How's fatherhood? How's your mental health been? Because it's a big change bringing a baby into. Well, I've been a father for a while now mm. uh, in a stepfathering role, but not to, not to a baby. This is true, mm. but I've had the the whole idea of like, oh, this isn't about me for some time now. Okay, right. That helps. And I think that's very. That's I think that's the main mm. the main kick in the pants that fatherhood gets you. Yeah, is. Oh, so I can't just do anything I want whenever mm. I want to. There's someone else in, is now more important and their needs and things take priority. Mm. And, you know, for some people, they struggle with that. Mm. And that's understandable, you know, if you've only been by yourself for so long. Yeah. Um, I wonderfully and willingly ran into it and embraced it with open arms. And I was very grateful for it. Mm. And in many ways, it, it went a long way to help me get better. Mm. Um, so I, I'm forever grateful to uh, Audrey, my wife, and Georgia, my stepdaughter, um, for giving me a reason to want to be around and want to get better and want to do the work and want to do the exposure therapy and all mm. the tricky stuff that I have to do. Mm. Um, and now with Wolfie around, you know, you look at him and, and I'm like, oh, I'm far out, man. I'm 45 and I'm doing maths. Like, Jesus, by the time he's George's age, I'll be 60. I've got to get to the gym. I gotta stay fit. Yeah, but you look fit, Osh. Because if I don't, <laughs> you know, I don't want to have, a, you know, I don't want to be ranked. Because I'm seeing what it's like now, trying to be there and 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 try to be a stand for this kid as as she, you know, explores what it is to be a young adult, mm. going out to gathers and being mm. with her mates and being exposed to all the kinds of things that teenagers are exposed to, and just trying to, you know, I want to be sure that I'm able to be, you know, still a sense of power in this kid's life when he's 15, 16, 17. So, yeah. man, I've got to stay fit. Yeah. I've got to eat right. Yeah. I've got to do it. i got to, you know... I think my, 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 I talk to Audrey, I'm like, I guess, you know, this is it. I want to be doing handstand push-ups at his 21st. Fuck really? It. Yeah, and I'll be old. I'll be 72. Are you familiar with a bloke called Tommy Hafey? Tell me about Tommy. So Tommy Hafey is a legend of the what was then the VFL. Uh-huh. He could do handstand push-ups until yeah. the day he died. So can you remember what how old Tommy Hafey was when he died? 76, I think. That's what I'm looking for. I'm going to equal yeah. Tommy. You need, you try need. To, I'll try to make it past 76. But if, if I'm, if look, honestly, if you're doing handstand push-ups and you go out of 76, people are like, okay, because that's my dream. Yeah. My dream is to be fit, 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 dead. <laughs> that's it. I don't want any of this kind of like, just like fading just gradually, slowly into like 25 years of just watching TV on a couch. Yeah. Nah. I want to be out having fun. Doing stuff and then one day, pff, over. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best way to go about I it. I, I, don't, I don't want to be like like immobile, not moving around. Yeah. So anyway, so yeah, let, let us all be Tommy. Yeah, absolutely. You should Google well, him. How do I spell his last name? H A F E Y. Got it. Google him. Oh, you've got the um, the lock cover on your phone. Are you still riding your bike? Uh, yes. I uh, yeah. So I have a quad lock um, on my uh, on my phone case. I mm. have a have a bicycle. I, I'm a big fan of riding bicycles. Mm. I, very much a fan of commuting under my own power. I can't run anymore. I used to really enjoy running, um, but I've got arthritic hips and they're all busted up and I need a hip replacement. So I'm just trying to not have to have a hip replacement for as long as possible. Yeah, that could inhibit that fit, 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 dead thing. Yeah, I know. Mm. Uh, But, you know, Led Hamilton's had a hip replacement and he can still surf massive waves. So if he can do it, I can do it. Well, of course. Anyway. Um, yeah, I still ride a bicycle when I when I can. It's been tricky the last little while. Mm. I've been extraordinarily busy with uh, um, with work, but also with baby. So uh, anyone who's a cyclist will tell you that. Um, but all I'll say is this: 
I'm grateful that I met my wife as a cyclist. Yes. I didn't take up cycling yes. as a married man. Yes. Like she knew me as someone <laughs> who would just regularly go off and ride his bike for five hours at yeah. a time. Yeah. Like it's you know. So that was part of the deal. It's yeah. Like, I will on occasion get out on the yeah. morning and be gone yeah. for five day five hours and I'll be doing hundred Ks and I'll be back. Mm. Um, so she knows that that's part of it. Yeah, if you suddenly took up cycling and went, I'm off for five hours, like, what about the sport? What about the kids? Who's going to take the girls to netball? Like, yeah. nah, it's not going to fly. No, no, yeah, <laughs> I agree. And, yeah, you're absolutely right. And it's also the, the Lycra thing. You don't want to all of a sudden come home one day in your 50s and be wearing Lycra because it's not Oh, no, Lycra's fantastic. No, it's not. I disagree with all yeah. both. Like, I like, I disagree with you entirely. Yeah. Lycra's great. Look, and sometimes, honestly, um, uh, riding bicycles is great. But it's less about how fit you want to be and more about the head. It's more about off-gassing what's yes. going on in your brain. Yeah. And, you know, Audrey will say to me, go for a ride. Yeah. Just get out of here and go riding. You're driving me nuts. Hey. Or go downstairs and lift your kettlebells. Go and work mm. out. You just need to get out of the house and go and lift some heavy things. You're being yeah. an idiot. You're being a much better person when yes. your heart rate's been above I, 140 absolutely, for a while. Absolutely. Mm. But that's all a big part of it. You know, she knows that I also... I can't see it when I need it sometimes. Yeah. And so I know to trust her that if she says, Come, just go and do it, yep. I know, oh, oh, it's happening. Yep. I can't see it because I'm in it. Mm. Um, if it's happening, then I need to do what she says mm. uh, because I'm unable to notice it. So um, I'll just go and, you know, get some of that dopamine and serotonin into my body. Uh, and that's the key, you know. That's mm. really the key. So Audrey's obviously been a really big part of your ongoing recovery she's the hero to my story yeah she's yeah i teared up in the book when Mate. when you started talking about audrey i was all shades of seriously ugly crying she's that she is the she's the lighthouse yeah. that she's the one that saved saved me she really is and i know many people in recovery get better without that person in their life and and that you know it doesn't have to be another person it can be you know, it can be a dog, it could be a goldfish, it could be a house plant. Mm. You just need to have a reason to get up and do it again another day, mm. all right? I got very lucky that it was her. Mm. Um, you just need something other than yourself to care about. Uh, and that, you know, in my experience, that for a while before I met Audrey, it was the people that I knew at the the, the fellowship meetings that I go to around drinking. Yep. Uh, Let's talk about that. We have to be very obtuse. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Obviously, you can't say, say too much. It's a, yeah, I'm, I'm a part of a fellowship of men and women that help each other stay sober. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And um, that fellowship is very helpful. And I, I I listened to what they told me and I did what they said. And um, I followed their advice and uh, they helped me and I help others. And it's all very well and good. And for a while there, that was the reason that I was like, okay, I'll get up and do this again tomorrow mm. because I need to go see these people that are my friends mm. and I'll go and catch them at mm. this meeting. Mm. And um, having somewhere to go and someone to talk to, someone that knew what was going on in my head, uh, someone who I could relate to and someone who could relate to me, that was enough. Mm. I was like, okay, I can make it at 7.30 tomorrow night when I'm going to go and sit in this weird hall on a folding chair and drink that coffee. <laughs> yeah, I can do that. And that was enough. It does sound like you're talking about a Freemasons meeting or something. No, no, no. There's no aprons or anything like that. I'm not supposed to to know that. Oh. (laughs) Anything about the handshakes. Someone once told me a Freemason handshake, and I deliberately would go around and I'd give this particularly secret Freemason handshake to people, and then occasionally, once or twice, it was returned. (gasps) It's like, holy shit, I found one. Yeah, My dad's a Freemason. Shut up. will not talk about it. Will not. We're doing a podcast, so... I'm going to give it to you. Yeah, so, go. Yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. So, no, you can't describe it. No, but can I do it so to my this dad? this is one of them. <gasps> and here's another one. Wait, this? Yep. Yeah, okay. And this is another one. Or that one. So, depending on where that goes, it de- 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 denotes what level you are. <gasps> Stop it. How do you know this? Who's it, the Freemason giving away the handshake information? Can't say. Can't say. Do- I think it's just a bunch of, I don't know anything about Freemasons. But, you know, it's that fellowship thing. And I think... I don't think my fellowship's got anything to do with Freemasons. We're not secretly trying to control the government. <laughs> oh, wow. Let's not get too deep into it because I'll upset any number of people. But I think that the gathering of men of a Tuesday night, whether they're wearing full tuxedos, aprons, and magic underpants, or whatever, yeah. it's a sense of belonging to something. It is, yes. That 
that gives them purpose because that that generation, you know, you yeah. refined it really hard, and, and we've been talking about it again for you know a few weeks, talking about how it's di- it's going to be difficult to get people like my father, like my f- my friends and colleagues' fathers and mothers to come along to a mental health forum, right? Because they don't want to talk about it, and there's still a stigma surrounding it. Health is health, man. Mm. And mental health is mental health. Would these people show up to a, a forum on prostate cancer? Yeah. Sure they would. Well, I don't know. I don't know whether they would. Sue, what do you think? They they're would. S- yeah. yeah. See, they're starting to. If it's to- got to do with you getting a stiffy, your bloke's going to show up and figure out how they can not lose that. <laughs> all right? Well, yeah, I suppose you make a good And let me there. tell you right now, if you're living with an anxiety... The one thing that's going to shut off the oxytocin that's going to help you get there, gentlemen, mm. is, anxiety, is, is adrenaline, and adrenaline's caused by fear. And so there's there's no way that you're going to help the man or woman in your life that you love. <laughs> Nothing's going to stand to attention if you're living with anxiety. So bear in mind that your willy will also be affected. <laughs> so come along. <laughs> Pun intended. Oh, ill, but not in the centre. Ill. Um, <laughs> let's talk about. The so the whole the whole I'm going to let you tell your story tonight, and I don't want to get that all now. But okay. I do want to talk about the solution, how it looked for you, ah. because it's not it's different for everyone. I realise, and you know, exercise is great for some people. Yeah. Some people can't pull themselves out of the front door. This is true. Medication is great for some people, but some people, like you've said, like I've said last week. Convincing yourself that you're psychotic enough to be able to take an antipsychotic can be difficult, or an yeah. antidepressant. Yeah. You know. Um, Look. It, okay. So, I would say just take what's happening to you and reframe it to any other thing going on with your body. Okay. Let's say, for example, your arm had been hurting for a while, mm. and then someone who knows a bit about these things took a look at it and went your arm hurts because it's broken you would go oh I know what to do about that I need to get a cast on it I need to be a cast in a cast I need to do some I need to be immobile for a while and when the cast comes off I need to do some rehab and then I'll be strong as ever again and I'll be on my way yeah alright yeah you wouldn't go broken arm (laughs) I'm not going to do anything about that I knew a bloke who had a cast and it got itchy Oh, I don't want to have that on. I'll just be over here drinking beers because that'll make the pain stop. And there's no way you'd do that, all right? Mm. Or say, for example, you, you got born with diabetes, all right? Mm. Which is a thing that you get born with, Yeah. okay? Similarly, you get born with your brain and your brain does things. Mm. You know? mm. If you got born with type 1 diabetes and you you know you started having these you know horrible lows and you started passing out, doctor goes, boy, it's because you've got diabetes. Uh, here, take your blood sugars a couple of times a day, watch out what you're eating, and have some insulin to help balance you out. You'll be sweet on your way. Mm-hmm. And then you just go about the rest of your life managing this thing that you've got, and no one would blink an eye. Yep. No one would blink an eye. Yep. Um, similarly, just take responsibility for what's going on. Yeah. Take responsibility for... And, and don't be so selfish that you think you're the only person it affects. Yeah. If you love your family, if you love your friends, if you love your job, if you, you know, just understand that who you are and how you are to others affects them too for every person living with a mental illness in Australia five people are affected right? so take responsibility for who you're being if you're stinking up the place with you know know, getting weird and shouting at people and you know barking things at people who love you get yourself to a doctor and sort yourself out might be it might be a bit easier said than done and and in in my experience those people that one's closest to me because I've been through a similar sort of journey those ones that you use as a bit of the punching bag sometimes you you might blame them do you know what I mean so sometimes you don't well when you're in that when you're in that state when you're in that depressive state you want to try and blame everything else and this is before you've accepted the responsibility of what's going on so you blame those people and you're not thinking about how much you love them because it's all their fault. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yes. Mm, how do we... Tr- how, how do you deal with that? Yeah. I, uh, if, I mean, I know you're not a doctor, but no, I'm not a how doctor. would you... My parents were doctors, but I'm not a doctor. Um, I would say that 
if you find yourself in a situation where you go, if only everybody did everything that I said, everything would be fine, mm. that's a warning sign. Mm. All right? Mm. If you can't accept what is happening, if you wish that things were a certain way, that's rigidity of thinking. Mm. That means your brain is having a hard time dealing with the shifting sands that life is. Mm. And if you're finding yourself in that rigid thinking, unable to snap out of it, it's going to cause you pain. Mm. And if you're constantly wishing that things were another way, um, then you, that, that, that's a warning sign. That's a red flag, without a doubt. Um, but there's red flags that you can pick up well before it gets to that point. Like, if you are having a hard time sleeping, if you um, constantly are telling people, oh, no, I'm just tired, all right, that's a, I used that line for years. Oh, no, I'm just tired. It's a lie. I'm dealing with anxiety. I don't want to talk to anyone. I don't want to look anybody in the eye. Mm. But if, if people are constantly saying to you, oh, no, no, I'm just tired, maybe once. Mm. If they do it days on end, like, something's going on here. Mm. Are you okay, man? Talk to me. What's going, what else is going on? What else is happening now? And I guess the other thing, other thing you look for is, like, what else is going on? What are the things that, you know, have you got a safe place to live is the, the community around you is your immediate family safe if you got you know uh, you know safety around you know do you know where your next meal is coming from do you know where you know what's work looking like well there's all these other kind of things that we can then transfer that dis- uncertainty and aggression onto the people around us because at least we can take it out on them mm. where it's, it's got nothing to do with that at all it's got mm. to do with oh the company I work for got bought by someone else I don't know if my job's going to exist in six months um but I can't do anything about that. I can't shout at someone in a boardroom a thousand kilometers from here, but I can shout at you. Yeah. All right? And mm. just notice those things and have the, like, spend some time in the magical maze of mirrors and double check. So, is it me? Mm. Is it me? Because mm. it probably, probably is. Yeah, what's the common denominator here? But the best thing about that is that you can make it better under your own steam. Mm. That's the greatest part about it is that we have the power, if our brains are healthy, we have the power to change how we feel about things. I... Uh, as someone who had to be on medication and I'm on medication again right now um, because my brain was getting stuck and I was unable to change how I thought about things mm-hmm. uh, the way I would describe it is that we currently uh, I'm very grateful that we uh, my wife and I we each have a car okay mm-hmm. but my car the indicator is on the other side because it's a it's a Japanese car but it's a Euro spec mm-hmm. so every time I get in my wife's car I go to turn a corner I turn the windshield wipers on all right. Mm. All the evidence is there <laughs> that this is not the indicator. Mm. But my automatic thinking, my automatic way of behaviour yep. is this hand does that. Yep. Even though it's completely irrational, and I can see it's completely irrational, but I have to. Oh, okay, that's right. I'm in the car. Okay. And then I do it two or three more times. Then for the rest of the drive, I'm fine. Similarly, you know, we can get stuck in our thinking, even when it's completely irrational, and we know it's irrational. Mm. No, this is. Just, why did I say that? Everyone here loves me. Why did I just tell someone to get stuffed? Mm. That's the stupidest thing ever. Why did this automatically come out of my mouth before I could think about it? Mm. If you find yourself trapped in those situations, for me, things like medication can loosen the grip of that automatic thinking and allow you to give you just a little space, like an extra half a second to go, hang on, no, oh, that's right, other car, boom. Mm. And then you, in that, then in the social situation, like, hang on, that's right, this person is saying this because they care for me, not because they're trying to humiliate me. Yeah. I'll say thank you instead of get stuffed. Uh, and for me, medication has helped me loosen the grip of those thoughts. So it allow me, allows me to rewire things and rewire those neural pathways. And then I've been on and off meds a few times in my life and I've found that being on them allows me to rewire those neural pathways mm. to the point that so slowly, slowly, slowly when I do come to time, come keep off them, if I do get to get off them, and I have done a few times now, twice now, um, those new neural pathways are in effect and... I think about things differently, mm. but I needed to be on the meds to be able to change that thinking. And, you know, I, I, that's a long way to answer your question. Mm. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, 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 don't be sorry. It's it's really interesting because we've had, being Mental Health Month, we've had a few conversations with with different people that have, have suffered and been medicated and the way you talk about it is different to the last person that we spoke about who really disassociated himself right. from his depression and right. from his mental illness. So he he would look, and this is Mark Newenhouse, who is paddling the Murray River at the moment. Uh, he talks about his depression in the third person. Oh, that feels very helpful. Very helpful. Very, very helpful. Very, very helpful. And my, my wife, I've got to be very grateful to her because 
she was able to see me and my sick brain as two separate people, two separate things. Yeah, I'd never thought about it like that yeah. before, but really interesting I what you do. I was really, really lucky that she was able to do that. And also it allowed me to then also go, oh, that's just that, that's that thing. Mm. That's that thing. Um, who, you know, I gave it a name. I can't remember what his name was. Um, you gave your brain a name? Or no, the I, gave, I gave the guy that I would become a name. Oh. I don't have a dissociative personality, dissociative personality disorder. I don't have anything like I was that. I say, add it to the list? No, no I don't have anything <laughs> like that. No, no, no. Uh, but uh, we would give it a name so we could talk about it. You know, so wow. the two of us could talk about it, yeah. That's, when's about, Audrey going to write her book? Oh, man, I'm telling her. She, she writes already. She's an extraordinary writer. Mm. Um, so she writes a column every week. Um, and she's very, very compassionate, very clever person. It's a very smart lady. Um, yeah, I really hope she does. Yeah, I really because... really hope she does, because there's not enough... Sorry to interrupt you, but no. there's not enough um, conversations about the carer. There's not enough conversations about the people who look after, you know, and love the person who's going through this tough time and the person who has the faith to also believe this won't last forever. Mm. They're just going through this tricky part right now and they may have just said something grumpy to me, but that's not them. Yeah. That's the thing that's gone wrong with them. Yeah. But they're trying hard to overcome, but right now, today, they're not able to do it. Yeah. I'm really grateful. Really grateful yeah, for and, and everybody who does that job. And you know what? Next time you come, because we'd love you to come back, but can you bring her? Yeah. And just because the person that cares for, and I've, like I've mentioned, I had my own battles, but my husband, and I've got his permission to talk about it because he's having a tough time right now to the point where he's taking a Seroquel to knock out right. and go to bed at the moment. So for me, and when he's got it, when his brain is healthy and functioning and all the rest of it, he can tell me what he needs from me Uh when he is struggling. Yeah. But when he's in that struggle, very different to me. And because I've had my own experience, it's not the same. So how then, I would love to know how Audrey would go, right, well, what he's told you to do when your brain is healthy is not what he needs from you now. Uh, Do you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So what his healthy brain is saying is different to what his unhealthy brain is saying. Right. So I... Discuss. uh, So you're asking what should Audrey do in those situations? What would Audrey tell me to do? What would Audrey do? Oh, you have to ask her. (laughs) Yeah. That's Um, what I mean. Bring her. I just want to point out, like, um, you know you're in country Australia Mm. when you're doing... The speed limit, which is 110. <laughs> What's the road we're on right now? This is the Sturt Highway. So you know you're in country style, you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're on the Sturt Highway. One car passes you every eight minutes. <laughs> and oh, if yeah. the last three cars that have mm. gone past us, Sue has waved at two of them. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, we're like, doing, um, we're driving in the Ford Everest. Yeah, you're like, Pointy, Ford's eight days. You, you know, so. you're like, we like mm. it makes no sense. Like we're driving so fast past. It makes complete we'll be sense. complete strangers other, in any other part of the world. It'd be complete strangers. Like oh no, there you are. G'day, Baza. <laughs> <laughs> but I've, I've got to say, so I'm pretty disappointed. You used all five fingers for that wave. I, I only got nah. We got one, one finger, finger off the steering wheel. One finger, just one finger. That's it. That's the one. <laughs> and if it's someone you really like, <gasps> two fingers. We're getting the full. The full. Hi. I did the full wave this morning from the car. That's lovely. Yeah, well, that was, you know, someone I hadn't seen. So, what would I say um, for Audrey? I guess. How does she. I'm interested to know, and you won't be able to answer this, it is a question for her. I'm just interested to know how she analyzes your situation and what you're going. Does she openly discuss it with you when you're unhealthy? When I was in it, when Mm. I was in it, she describes it as she would bully her way, bully her way. Toward back it back towards me. Really? Yeah, and just would not let go. Even when she feels like you're pushing against yeah, her, she would just like, no, I am gonna push past all this irrational, you know, paranoid delusions that you're going through, mm. and I am just gonna hold on and hold on and hold on, and I'm just gonna keep pushing and pushing and pushing until I can find you underneath all of that. Wow! And she would just go for it and go for it and go for it, and then she would finally get there and after often quite a while she would get there and she would suck me back into the room and there I was again like man how does she do that though how does she suck you back into the room just I think what's important is certainly like in my situation I think being tactile is very important and 
you know, touching someone. She would mm. sometimes um, just kind of stroke my forearm mm. to give my, my, my brain something like, what can, what can you see? What can you smell? What can you feel? Um, she would help me, you know, remind me of where we were, um, give me something to drink, you know, get me back in my body because yeah. I was so powerfully taken to these paranoid fantasies that I was living in in my head mm. that I was nowhere, anywhere near where we actually were mm. physically. And she would basically just like, it's like reach out and just like like pulling up an anchor really mm. by hand it's like pull me pull me pull me back 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 to the surface and then you know kind of hold me there breathing when I got back oh thank you <laughs> you know but she would I thought it would take a while if I'm on my own and it's, it's it's you know I won't read it to you because it's extraordinarily personal but um my, my mentor, the guy, the guy that basically is my GPS of life, tells me how to where to go. Is um, his name Tom Tom? Uh, no, his name's David. Mm. He's a great bloke. Um, he lives in California. Um, I have a note that I've written to myself in my wallet. Mm-hmm. And it's a note that I wrote when I was having a really good day. And I was feeling I'd, I'd just worked out. I'd had a cup of coffee. I'd taken the dogs for a walk, I'd dropped the kid at school, I had a great morning with Audrey, and I was sitting down there and I wrote myself a note in a really healthy state of mind, and I wrote me in a panicked, horrible state of mind, a letter. And so when I'm in that space, I could pull it out of my wallet and go, hey man, it's me, I'm also you, Mm. Uh, and I want to let you know that right now you're feeling pretty scared and the stuff in your head's trying to convince you that all that stuff's real. But I'm gonna. I'm here to tell you that I'm also you, and right now everything's fine. I felt like you did yesterday, and today things are way better. Mm. Okay, so just remember that as you know, tomorrow it's gonna be better. Even though right now your brain's trying to tell you it's never gonna get better. Wow. And I keep that in my wallet. You know, mm. it says something to that effect. Mm. I keep that in my wallet, and it tells me a few things that I should, should go do this, go do that, go and do some squats, go and you know, drink some water, go and you know, call someone, get mm. on the phone. But it's basically like a. Like almost like in a case of emergency break glass. It's almost like the poster by the side of the pool telling you how to do CPR. Mm. I keep it in my wallet. I walk with it everywhere. Um, so that if I'm ever in that space, if I'm ever in that state, I know that, oh, you know, the same me who has a handle on things and can deal with all the things I'm worried about uh, and, and, and can live with uh, the fear and anxiety has written the me that can't a note to say, I'm also you, and you will be me again. Mm. Just hold on, man, because this isn't permanent. See, that's awesome. That's one of those. That is. That's. But that's one of those tools yeah. that needs to be in everyone's toolbox. Yeah, right in your wallet, man. Yeah. yeah. And but the, we don't. It takes someone for you to go. You know what? This is what I've done. Yeah. And we go. No brainer. Right. Well, someone way more clever than me told me to do it. I didn't make it up. Uh... Yeah, I know. But, so, uh, sorry, just got another way. But there. even that was awesome. uh, someone way more clever than me told me to do it, and yeah. um, and I, um, yeah. I, but you know what? I'll, I'll, I won't lie to you now. I'll tell you something else. I have actually two notes in my pocket. Mm. The other thing I have in my pocket is I have a list of all the horrible things I'm completely afraid of. Really awful, awful, awful things that I feel that I can't bear. All right, and I keep it in my wallet to know and remind myself that I can carry it. I carry it with me every day, and I can live with it, and I can hold it, and I can live my life and have you know a meaningful connection with my wife and my kids, and do great work, and be there and be professional, and have this conversation. I can do all of that mm. and hold these things. How heavy is that note? Some days it's really heavy, mm. but. Then I'll look at the other piece of paper and go, it's okay. It's going to be better in a couple of hours. How long is that note of things you're uh, afraid of? It's 10 or 12 things. Um, but they're all heavy. Yeah. Um, but it's important to know that, you know, because what ultimately, you know, I've you know, I've had to realise is that my, my brain invents the, the biggest, worst possible scariest version of whatever it is that I'm worried about and mm. it convinces me that that's real and it's happening now mm. neither of those things will happen and, and neither of those things are true and I have to accept that and it's, it sucks to suddenly realise that hang on this organ of my body mm. is part of my body that perceives things I see and hear and smell and taste and feel and then tries to make sense of them and remembers other things that have happened in the past this is malfunctioning mm. and 
you know, we're sitting in this car, this same organ of my body that's telling me that, you know, I can feel my socks in my shoes, I can feel the seatbelt on my body, you know, I can see this truck in front of us, I can see this rest area that we're passing by, you know, sometimes that gets sick and sometimes it gets broken and starts to give me weird information and starts to go, uh, like, I'm just going to make something else up, this doesn't happen to me, um, but I do know it happens to some people. That rest area just passed. Um, the person in the car, I bet they're following me. I'm going to have to go around the corner and hide because they're probably going to follow me and I'm really yep. going to be careful because I'm out in the bush and I might get caught and yep. I've seen Wolf Creek. It's probably going to be real. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Oh, yeah. The same brain will, you know, do that. And you have to go, oh, okay, thanks, man. That's pr- I appreciate that. It's really mm. creative. It's not true. <laughs> it's not true. Um, but thank you for appearing super real. And it mm. sucks to suddenly realize that this, this thing you've trusted your whole life to accurately reflect and, 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 and give you an accurate picture of this world that you live in with everybody else. So you could both look at that thing right there and go, yeah, that's Mally Scrub. Yes, mm. it is. Do you agree with it? I agree with it. We both agree that's Mally Scrub. Mm-hmm. Ripper. Um, then we can both enjoy this world together because we have a shared reality. You have to accept that, oh, hang on, sometimes my brain tells me different things that other people see and I see different things or I perceive things differently and I make other things mean far more sinister and dangerous things when they're not. Mm. And I have to just go, oh, oh, okay then. And I used to hate doing it, but now I do it all the time. I reality check all the time, all the time. Um, and how do you do that? I, for example, I do it at work. So if, uh, often for work, I'll do an interview for my job and I'll talk about a TV show we're doing or, you know, whatever. And I'll come in and I'll turn to the publicist and, the publicist and I'll say, was that okay? Did I sound this? Did I sound that? Was I all right? Because I can't tell. I have a, When I'm bad, mm. I have a very difficult time perceiving other people's emotions and I can't tell if people are happy or sad or upset or frightened. Right. Oh, it's weird, I know. Yeah. Everything kind of shuts down and thing, and people kind of become things and I can't tell if they have emotions or not when it's really bad it hasn't been like that for a while but when I was really quite sick Mm. um, in 2014 I had to do that a lot Mm. Um, or I'll call up my my wife or I'll ask my wife and I'll say look I'm I'm just going to I'm just going to can I check a bit of reality with you here when this person said that um, in my head I made it mean this what do you make it mean and they go what really no 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 they were just saying this for that Mm. is that all it was 100%. 100%. Okay, then. And I'll take her version of it and I'll make that the truth. And I'll go, thanks, Brain. You were really creative. That was very, I'm very impressed with how, you know, you, you know, you jumped in there and thought you were super self-important and, and you know, the, all that stuff that got said, you made it mean all this shit about you. None of it's real. Mm. What she said is what actually happened. We're going to go with that. And every time those other thoughts come up, you, you, I just go, ah, there's this thing again. Ah, oh, thanks, yeah. man. No, 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 that's not what happened. What Audrey said is what happened. Mm. And that's worked out well. The fact that you can do that, though, the fact that you are now humble enough, I suppose, to go, that's not me. I'm going to take her. I'm going to trust her brain yeah. more than mine. Got it. Is an incredible place to be in. Well, why would I... I, I know that my brain malfunctions. Yeah. This is what I've got. And I've, had to, I've just got to accept that. But I was going to say, but that, that comes from a place of completely resigning yourself to the, you, the, to the fact that you're in this space. Yeah. And you've completely given into it and gone, my brain's broken. I'm going to trust the person I love most in the world yeah. to tell me what's real yeah. and what's not. Well, my brothers, my friends, my publicists, yeah. you, anyone that's not got my head, mm. I'll ask them. No, don't ask me. Oh, no, I'm batshit crazy. You've probably got a better idea than I do. <laughs> um, no, it's, it's, it's super important. But the moment you get into that acceptance, mm. you regain so much power over it. Yeah. Right? Because if you're, at the, if you're at the whim of it, if you're denying it, you, if you're not an acceptance of it, you're basically pinwheeling your arms on your, on your heels, trying not to fall backwards off a cliff. But mm. if you become an accept, oh, no, this is just a thing I've got. This is what's happening. I know that if I want to be in control here, I have to ask someone. It doesn't happen all the time, mind you. I'm just talking about, you know, a, 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 a critical situation or an acute situation that happens, I don't know, once a day. Um, That's a lot. <laughs> it's, okay. it's okay. Do you have periods where... It's a management where, strategy. Well, that's a, a, an interesting way to look at it. But do you find you have periods of, you know, weeks or months where it doesn't? Do you have... Yeah, oh, no, yeah. Well, you have I'm, times where you get out of the fairground and you're okay? No, when I'm at work, I'm fine. Yeah, Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. When I'm at work and I'm... Um, and I'm in that, you know, just when everyone's kind of, when all, everything's spinning up at a really great, everything's finally tuned and humming along at a really great RPM and every, all the machines are going well and everyone's doing their best work. Mm. Boom, 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 everything's amazing. It's when I'm, you know, when I'm left to my own devices, yep. things, uh, things get icky. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, like, why would, it's the same thing, like, I don't know, what's, a, what's an example that I could, I could use? Um, like, why would I, why would I, why would I, oh, I work with a, uh, oh, here we go, this is exciting. In the infamous lines of television and the title of a very good book, back after the break. Right now at Ford, our one, two, three, four SUVs will give you five years of worry-free driving because every SUV comes with up to five years of free scheduled servicing, but only for eight days. From October 19 to 26, every EcoSport, Escape, Endura and Everest comes with up to five years of free scheduled servicing. SUV value at Ford starts Saturday, October 19. T's and C's apply. See Ford.com.au for details. Get into Pioneer Ford from this Saturday for the eight-day SUV UV sale LMCT seven three two nine. This is no, this is an extraordinary moment. Any kind of country driving is when you turn. Wow, oh, yeah, we just turned a corner. We that have turned wild. a corner. Where are we now? Uh, we're in Euston. This is beautiful. Yeah, well, these are all the the, uh, the grapevines. So our area, I don't know if you know much about it, um, but our area is an extraordinary agricultural hub. We're a multi-billion dollar industry in agriculture here. We're growing 60% of Australia's almonds. Uh, 5% of the world's almonds. 5% of the world's 70% almonds. 70% of, the, of a, the country's carrots. Oh, you've Googled, you have haven't more, you? have the most millionaires per capita uh, in any other part of the country, <laughs> and it's cash money. It's not, no, it's not cash money. It's cash, cash it's money. It's not cash. We not not do cash, not do cash anymore. Come on. Um, uh, we do have more millionaires per capita than anywhere yeah, else in Australia. Brilliant. That's um, that is that's a fact. Did you Google that? Is that on Wikipedia? Uh, listen, uh, if you haven't learned the six P's by now, then proper preparation prevents piss poor performance. I use prior preparation. Uh, yes. Whatever. Do you know the five D's that go along with the six P's? No. Oh, the five Ds are great. Don't dither or delay, decide or delegate. Between the five Ds and the six Ps, that's like the first year of wow. business school right there. Um, but yes, you're the very good people that, that um, have uh, brought me out here did send me a bit of a cheat sheet. And I did mm. spend my time learning and figuring out you know, what's going on. I think the last time I was here, though, I was working for Channel V and we were just out here with a band. And I think I was only interested in the fact that it would, there was wine around. Yeah. Uh, but that was a long time ago. Yeah. Um, no, I'm more interested <laughs> in the grapes now, to be honest. Um yeah, well, and they are extraordinary. And the carrots, how good are carrots? I love a carrot. Well, the carrot, uh, the carrot farm is out the other side of town. But if you were to, if that carrot farm was to shut down, you'd lose a quarter of the carrots on the supermarket shelves in Australia. We can't have that. We let's can't keep, have let's that. Let's keep that carrot farm open. Oh, they're doing okay. Um, and I think, like a bajillion years ago, mm. yeah, I, I, I think I might have invested in an almond farm. Really? A long time ago. One of the Timber Corp ones that went know. broke? Probably. Yeah. I was drunk and oh. I made a lot of money. And I, none of that money is around anymore. No. Because I, I listened to a financial advisor. Mm. Who, I wrote about this in the book. I listened to a financial advisor that, that he was all bells and whistles and all song and dance. And I was like, that sounds great. I'll buy 12. And, and it was all over. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, if you've still got those shares, they're probably no. worth a bazillion dollars now. No, no, no. I think I, I definitely received a three-line letter going, yeah, that thing is over now. Yeah, that'd be Timber Corp. Yeah. They're now owned by somebody else. So. It was out this way, and I remember there was an almond farm out this way somewhere. Yeah, there's right. um, there's now several. That is. Yeah, it is beautiful. Well, did, was this used? To, this used to look like that scrub that we saw before on the highway. Uh, yeah, at one point it would have. All right. Uh, the Where's issue the water we, come from? Uh, exactly. That was going to be my next. I'll show you where the water comes from. This is a massively hot, hot topic. That at the river moment. we passed before. So the Murray River is the divider between. This is we're in New South Wales at the moment. Ah, uh, right. We're about to enter Victoria over the Murray River, and you'll okay. notice some environmental flows or some overflow into the. Um, into the creek, which is a real kick in the guts to farmers' mental health at the moment. Oh, Sharon, I'm going to go on a bit of a rant because Stand this by. I want to blows take, Can I take a photo mind. of my side of the car, but what are you talking about? Uh, I don't know whether you would be able to see it. Your, if Sue slows down in the Ford Everest, thanks to Pioneer Ford and the eight-day SUV sale. Cha-ching. Eight days? Eight days, yeah. Starts on Saturday. Starts on Saturday? Eight days. Yeah, so this is the show. Murray right here? So this is the creek. So this is the part that is overflowing at the moment. And what happens is our farmers are currently getting only, they got another 2% this week, 40% of their high security water allocation this year. That's not a lot. That is not anywhere near enough. Right. The thing that needs to happen before I put you to sleep no. is the Commonwealth Environmental Water Holder, instead of carrying over... 
148 gigalitres of water like they did last year, they need to put that water back on the market so that our farmers can access more than 40% of their entitlement. As someone from, Rant over. No, 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 that's fine. As someone who lives in a, a suburban metropolitan part mm. of the country, mm. which is but who eats food. I was going to say that, you uh, eat a plant-based uh, I, diet. I eat food that is grown in exactly this part of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, in your opinion... Mm. Is there enough water to go around? Is it just being put in different places? Is there enough water to go around? It is over-allocated. Technically, yes, it's over-allocated. But if we don't start catching more yeah. and storing more... There hasn't been another another dam built since the 70s, and that was Dartmouth. Yeah, goodness me. And mm. like the population is quite different now. And the population is different. The issue yeah. that we have in this centre, particularly Robinvale, is that the agriculture has boomed so rapidly, yeah. the river infrastructure has not has not developed yeah. How much in the does same... dam cost? A few million. They can't even fix our road. So our road out here that yeah. carries a busload of children every day, as well as all of that produce, yeah. the carrots, the grain, yeah, yeah. the almonds, the avocados, to get yeah. to you... They won't fix that either. They well, just lower the speed limit. So I'm no, I'm not a politician, um, but in my opinion, mm. and I've had, I've got to be very careful about what I, you know, get worried about, and I have to be mm. very careful to have a rational approach to things that are pressing. And this mm. is where a lot of the reality checking comes yes. in. Um, but I would imagine that food security would be one of the number one priorities mm. food and water security would be one of the number one priorities mm. to make sure a country is safe you right? think so and I would not want to live in a country that has food security issues nor suddenly realise and then go oh shit we haven't built a dam in 50 years mm-hmm. we better start catching up mm. um, because I mean if you're I don't, I'm not a professor of economics at all I know nothing about economics but I have a fair idea that if you're buying more things than you're selling it's not a good idea if we have to start buying food from overseas mm-hmm. just to get by mm-hmm. it's probably not a great thing no is it? and no absolutely not and that's that's where the farmers are at the moment they think the government's conspiring against them to yeah. absolutely close down the agricultural industry in this country why they are at that point because it is so hard they're coming up against brick walls at every turn with labor with water, with everything that they face. And you see the dairy industry closing down every week and new dairy is closing because they can't access water if it's any more than $200 a megalitre. Our farmers around here at the moment are are paying in excess of $800 a megalitre for temporary water, which is ridiculous. That's not okay. No, it's not okay. But the thing is, we we have a government that... uh, shakes a fist of national security mm-hmm. all the time. This, to me, is a very pressing national security issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, correct. <laughs> you want to keep people fed and watered and mm-hmm. calm and happy, you know? Mm. It's the most important thing there is. You would think so. Um, if you could take that to ScoMo, that'd be great. Um, <laughs> he... I, I, just, I don't know if he... He's, no, I don't think I'd get anywhere near him, no. to be honest. I got to I got to the Federal Department of Agriculture yeah. last week. Oh, really? Yeah. I write a lot of letters. Yeah. I send a lot of emails. Yeah. Uh, I think it's important that people do that. I, yeah. I talk about it all the time and that it is old school, mm. but I send a fax. Do you? I send faxes to... Yeah. Why are you sending a fax on? Do you have a fax machine? No, but they do. <laughs> and it's someone's job to go over to the fax machine in the corner mm. and print it out and mm. because... It's the government. They have to take a note of what the fax was about, mm. and they have to tell the MP, "This is what we got a fax about this today." Yep. And it was that that bloke in Sydney, Ginsburg, mm. talking about you know emissions again. Mm. Um, uh, I have you do it. Mm. You have to do it. Mm. We've. You, I'm a. I'm a citizen of this country. Yep. I have just as much of a right mm. to write to my local member and go, "I'm not okay with this." Yeah. You know why should you know some gigantic conglomerate who. You know, takes them out to a nice dinner. Mm. <laughs> have more power than me. Yeah. Unfortunately, you know, that is the case, and yeah. that will be the case yeah. until we find a different form of government. Yeah. Sorry, we're now going to start talking about sortition and yeah. all kinds of things, which I'm a big it's fan a of. Fine line. Yeah. 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 Oh, citizen juries, man. It's the way forward. Yeah. You Google it. <laughs> citizen juries, dude. Citizen juries. That's the way out of all this shit. Citizen juries. Citizen juries. Have you done a podcast on this? Uh with Jimmy. Yeah, Jimmy, right. Jimmy okay. Matheson. I was Jimmy say, Matheson's I, all about it. Right. City of Sydney's doing one. 
Mm. They're not. They're not. Um, well, the, the way that Jimmy put it to me, and, and, and it makes sense. Let's say there's three of us here in the car. Mm. If either of if, if either if either one of us, mm. either one of us, committed a crime, mm. who would decide our fate? Who would decide how many, you know, that, that we might potentially spend 25, 35, 45 years mm. in a cage? Mm. Who would decide that? Well, a jury. Uh huh. Mm. Now, who are those jury? Twelve randoms. Exactly. Are mm. they elected? No. Right. <gasps> Yet, oh, they are a representative uh, of the community mm. who are designed to have a you know a reflection of community standards and go this crime like say maybe I don't know let's go back to the seventies when this dam was built marijuana possession might have been oh, da, 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 that in the clink you go mm. fifty years later same twelve different twelve people go marijuana possession it's probably not. That's fine. I yeah. know. There you go, buddy. But you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so they reflect community standards at the time. Yeah. Mm. Okay? Mm. So if you put... And, and people might go, oh, yeah, but w- you know, what if you accidentally pick a racist or something? Have you met Fraser Anning? All right? Correct. <laughs> They're already there. Yeah. Okay? But it's so much harder to influence that with money. If mm. you're a mining company or an agri company or whatever, you're going to have to take 300 people out to dinner. Yeah. Whereas if you were working in our current system, you only have to take one because you have to toe the party line. Boom, problem solved. So, and that's exactly what happens. That's exactly what happens. We all know it, yet what are we doing about it? Today's the day. I would much rather have a decision, like, for example, about this water or something affecting my community, made by people from my community who are of a reasonable mind and who have, you know, there's a amount of training that goes on because you mm. have to, like, talk about conflict resolution and how to maybe achieve a middle ground. There's, there's a bit of the training that goes into it. But... I would much rather a policy decision. I would much feel a lot better about going along with a policy decision that has been made by. Okay, so this is clearly a community standard. Maybe I'm outside that standard. Yeah. Okay. So, but clearly, the vast majority of the community wants this. Off you go. All right. And you'd know that there'd be people, different people who vote from all different kinds of the spectrum involved. That'd be a far better way to get things done. It's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. an interesting way to look at things. Now, how are we for time, Sue? That she's, there's a, she's pointing at the clock like it's time to go. Yeah, that's okay. We'll we'll wrap it up because we've been talking the entire time. That's all right. So thank you for your time today. Did you get what you needed? Absolutely. We're here now. We're next to a caravan park across from the Murray River next to a caravan park. Mm. Um, this is the community centre that you're uh, talking at today. Is yeah, this, this is this is the gig. So thanks for having a conversation for our podcast because it comes out on a Thursday and because it's Osher Day in Robinvale today, I thought we'd just do... Just do this. You know what? Uh, in I'm, the car. I'm so extraordinarily thrilled because when you wrote to me about this podcast, um, I'm I'm a radio guy from way, 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 way. Yeah, I know. And when you told me that there's no transmitter in this part of the world, mm. it kind of broke my heart a bit. Mm. And when you said to me the effect that this podcast has had, that it is it is what community radio really should be. It is it is a reflection, as we were saying, it's made by the community for the community. Um, and it's a reflection of, of the community. It legitimizes people. It's like, no, no, this thing is made just for me. I matter. I matter enough that this is being made. Mm. And this is talking about stuff that matters to me. And, you know, it, it's just brilliant. And it's from, I, as a podcaster, um, it makes me so happy that, you know, it's such a new format. It's such a new form of broadcasting. It's not even 10 years old or 12 years mm. old yet. And that it's having this effect on your community and that you're doing it, it I'm just thrilled I'm absolutely thrilled oh and, and thanks may it live on and, and go bi-weekly yeah. you know what if we could sell enough go, spots then you want to go daily I would love to go daily imagine that <laughs> every breakfast we'd do it from the Murray River I'd set up a caravan down there have someone make coffee and have whoever's walking along the river come oh, and have a chat honestly I've done breakfast radio Nah, do an afternoon shift and release it the next day. <laughs> getting out of bed at four sucks. I'm not going to get out of bed at four. It's a podcast. I just, you know, whenever I get time. All Osha, right. thank you so much. No, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. We could not be more thankful to Osha and his immaculate hair, and his hair really is immaculate, for coming to Robinvale today. And I could not be more thankful for him personally than agreeing to have some crazy lady sit in the back of a car who produces a local podcast and have a chat for conversations in cars. But we are committed to breaking down the stigma and starting conversations, and we're going to continue to do that with a couple of local lads next week. I know. Osher Ginsburg to some local boys, but it's the local boys and girls that we want to reach. And if we start talking between each other to reach someone else and that helps somebody else, then hell, count me in. 
Thank you to everyone that made contributions, both financial and in-kind, like RDHS, FRRR, Swan Hill Royal City Council, Indulge Apartments, St Mary's School, Steve and Jack from the Jam Club, The Jack Tavern for Osha's Vegan Meal, and Pioneer Ford for being a continuing supporter of this venture. We thank you, all of you. Thank you to everyone that came to the forum. The work we do now will help someone. I promise. Thanks for listening to the Vale podcast, driven by Pioneer Ford Robin Vale. It's worth the drive. Remember to support our sponsors and shop local. Subscribe at thevalepodcast.com.au.